So why is doubt so harmful? It's one of Satan's greatest weapons against the church. Look at James 1, 6 through 7. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. You see it? You see what doubt does? I looked up doubt in the Greek lexicons. I looked it up in Strong's Concordance. I looked it up in, every, in, in Vines. And I looked up all the definitions of what this Greek word translated doubt, what it means. Here we go. Number one, to separate, to make a distinction, noting the differences, to discriminate. That means special regard or favoritism, to give special regard and favoritism to Satan instead of God. To prefer, to hold above, to hold Satan's lies above God's truth. To determine, number two, to give judgment. Now you're saying God is a liar. That's what doubt does. To withdraw from one. It separates me and pulls me away from God. We walk away from God. You saw that a statistic. 46% of the people choose to walk away from church and God altogether. To oppose, to contend and dispute. Now it mean, that means to argue and rival with God. So doubting is hostility with God. Doubt causes you and I to turn on God. We go from believing in him and trusting in him to going, why did you do this to me? Why did you let this happen to me? Where were you when I needed you? Where were you when I was being beaten? Where were you when that spouse was abusing me? Where were you when that person left me? Where were you when I was sick and battling cancer? Where were you? Why did you do this to me? It's hostility with God. It's telling God, Satan, his lies are true and your word's not. Why is doubt so harmful? Because it causes us to question God's character. See, he's good and he's faithful and he's just and he's righteous and he's holy. He's kind and he's merciful. He is provider. He is healer. I could go on and on about the character of God, but all of a sudden when the prison walls are so high, the storms are raging so much in my life, I can't see his character anymore. So I start to question God instead of binding Satan for who's the one that's causing all the havoc in my life. Doubt causes us to side with Satan's lies instead of God's truth. So in essence, once again, Satan twists and he perverts the truth and the character of God. And Satan now, instead of him being the father of all lies, now we think God is the father of all lies. You see the perversion of the word of God, how he twists God's character, how he'll twist the word of God? Have you ever had somebody lie on you? Have you ever had someone tell an outright lie? How many of you have made you mad? Yeah, how many of you got so ticked off and you wanted to you wanted to vindicate yourself? That's not true. I didn't say that. I didn't do that. And we get angry. How do you think God feels when we doubt and we won't take him at his word and we won't believe him and then we start to question and judge his character? How do you think it makes God feel when he's lied on and he's told that all your word that you said ain't true? Why else is doubt so harmful? Matthew 13 and 58 says, And so he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. Doubt and unbelief keep us 
from the miracles of God. They will keep us from getting our miracles. And Satan knows this. And the problem is not that you and I have doubt. The problem is that we don't deal with it. The problem is we don't go to small group anymore. The problem is we stop coming to church on Sunday. The problem is we don't go and we don't share with somebody and tell them what we're going through. We bottle it up. We hide it because we think we're going to get judged because we think somebody's going to say something bad about us and we won't be open and real with the people in this room we need the most. I need you and you need me. When you're down, I'm up. And when I'm down, you're up. And we need each other. And Satan tries to get us to walk away from the body of Christ. He tries to get me to stop going to church, to stop going to my small group. And he doesn't want me to open up and go, I am struggling. Will you help me? Because of fear. We fear rejection. We fear we're going to be judged. Listen, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head. It's going to fly. But how many of you are going to let it sit down and land on your head and build a nest on it? Nobody. But yet we let Satan, I can't stop the tempting thoughts to doubt God and question God's character. When he, when he comes and he comes against me in my mind and pew, pew, the fiery darts, pew, he's shooting them at you, telling you all these lies. I can't stop him from shooting them, but I don't have to let Satan build a nest in my head and keep rehearsing those lies and not rejecting them. And then they get down in my heart and I believe it. We don't have to let Satan build a nest up here. Get them cobwebs and all that garbage out of your head. Which leads me to the next thing. So how do you deal with the doubt? How do we deal with this? It's real. You know it's real. You've seen spiritual giants in the word of God. You know it's real. My goodness, if Satan got to the disciples who were a lot holier than us, right? My Lord, I've never done the things they've done. If he could get to John the Baptist, who's had an encounter and a spiritual experience I have never had. And what are we to th- why do we think that he can't get to us? Why would you think you're any different? So how do I deal with it? And I'm going to tell you right now, the answer is not to stop going to church. It is not to quit on God. It's to dig in more. It's to keep showing up. It's to keep doing it. It's to keep staying in your word until you get through that season of doubt. So number one, what are you going to do? Number one, you need to get more word. You need to get more word. I'm going to try to push through these, these, these three points. Romans 12 and 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world. That's the thinking and the reasoning and the way the world thinks. But to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what the word of God does. It will actually transform and renew all of the worldly thinking and the thoughts that we think. How do you overcome the temptation? You overcome it with the word of God. How did Jesus overcome being tempted in the wilderness? It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. It is written. Satan would come and lie, and God would say, it is written. What did he do? He used the word of God. How are you going to use the word of God if you don't ever put it in? How are you going to get through your trials and your crisis of faith if you won't ever take the time to put the word in? Listen, we are in a battle. We are living in the last days, and we better hunker down, and we better get serious about this. Why do you think Ephesians chapter 6 says to put on the word, the armor of God? Because he knows that you're going to wake up every day, and the fiery darts are going to come. You're going to get up every day, and temptation's going to come. Satan doesn't take a vacation. So why do we? We'll go weeks without reading our Bible. We'll go days without praying. And we take a vacation from, from doing the things that we know, the putting on our armor. And then we wonder why we get blown up and holes all in us and holes in our head. And we get all these hits from the devil because we weren't equipped and we weren't ready for the enemy when he came. So you got to get more word. Let me show you something in James 1.21. It says, so get rid of all the filth and evil 
in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. Now we read that and we think it has the power to save my soul. Like, like I think about, well, you know, I just got saved. My spirit, man, I'm saved. That's not what it's talking about. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's the carnal flesh. When you accepted Christ, you didn't get a new body. Many of us wish we could get a new body. Wouldn't that be great if we become a believer and we accept Christ and you look down like, woo, it's perfect. Woohoo, yeah. I mean, that would be great, right? But guess what? If that doesn't happen, your body didn't change and your mind did not change. You don't accept Jesus Christ and wake up and be like, oh, I'm so holy and I'm so spiritual and I'm so righteous. I just know all this word and my faith is so great. No, you, you're baby. You can't talk. A baby can't talk. A baby can't walk. A baby's got to be fed. When you get saved, your soul, your mind, your will and emotions, all the things that have made up what you believe, all the things in your life, the belief systems that you learned from your childhood, the things you were taught by your parents, your teachers, the things you learned from the tragic events you faced in your life, the life experiences, that did not go away when you accepted Christ. Those belief systems are still there. And this is saying that your soul, it's, it's carnal, it's fleshly, but the Word of God, you, you get saved and you get a new, a new spirit in Ephesians. But now James is saying the Word of God has the power to save this right here. My soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions. So I know to do right. But my flesh still wants to come over here. I know that I need to get in the Word of God, in the presence of God, but I'm really tired and I don't want to. I know I need to go to church, but oh, i got to go to the ball game. I know I should be in the house of God, but I'm really tired and I should sleep in today. Your soul didn't change. What's going to change you? What's going to give radical life change? The Word of God. you got to put the Word in. you got to put it in. And then James, he says, get rid of all evil. In this verse, and what he's talking about in the context of the chapter, if you're reading it, he's talking about giving into doubt is evil because it will not produce the righteousness of God. It's evil because it separates me from God. Doubt is evil because it causes hostility in my heart toward God. It makes me get angry at God and accuse God, and, and it makes me withdraw from God and, and turn away from God. It separates me from the presence of God. It makes me become in opposition with God, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. That's why doubt is so harmful. It separates us from God. So the solution is to get the word of God in me. If you're a teller, they don't, I was a teller, they don't give you fake money. You've heard pastors say this. You don't get fake money so you can experience counterfeit. There's all kinds of counterfeits. People make counterfeit money all the time. So there could be many, many types of fakes. So instead of showing me something that's not real, I only deal with the real thing. You deal with real money all day long. So the minute something comes through your fingers, it doesn't feel right. It, it may look right, but you can, you can tell the difference. You can tell it's counterfeit because I've been dealing with the real thing so much that when the counterfeit came in, I recognized it. If I would deal with the truth of God's word so much before I have my crisis of faith, before tragedy strikes, before that thing happens, if I, would, if I would get the word of God in me so much that all of a sudden when Satan's lie comes in, I'll recognize the counterfeit. I'll know it's the Satan. I'll know it's the devil lying to me. I'll know he's not telling me the truth because I'll say, ah, God said in his word, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. So back up, Satan. I am not believing you. I'm standing 
on the word of God and I know that my God will supply that need in Jesus' name. You see, the word shatters the lies of the enemy. And why do you think the, the scripture says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free, or another version says, shall make you free? Why do you think that we, I've read that my whole life and never understood it until, until recently? And when it actually happened, when God, when the truth of God's word opened your eyes, and then the problem with being deceived is we don't know we're deceived. That's the problem. How can you know you're deceived when you're deceived? The only way to come out of that and to find out that, you're not that you've been deceived is to read the truth. And so when you see the truth of the scripture and the light bulb comes on and you realize it, instantly you're delivered. Instantly you're free. Instantly you have, you've been made free and whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I've had this happen in my life where I had bondage in my life and until I saw the truth of the scripture, the minute I saw it just like that, instantaneously I was instantly delivered and never went back. How will you ever recognize Satan's lies if we never take time to put in the truth of his word? You have to know the character of God if you're going to stay anchored in the time of a storm. You've got to know it because Satan is going to try to get you to accuse God, get offended at God, get angry at God. He's going to make you question God. So you better know his character before you hit that storm. And the only way to learn his character is to get the word in you. You've got to read it, study it, meditate on it. And the next thing is, is that you've got to learn to practice it. You have to practice the word of God. Let me tell you something. You don't learn to play an instrument without practice, right? Ryan, you didn't become this stellar bass player without a lot of practice. Did you make mistakes? Yeah. Did you make some bloopers playing? Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't learn to sing like this without a lot of practice. I mean, I was drilled. My mother, we, we, she would have us sing all the time. She'd drill them parts until we got it, buddy. Nope, this is it. Bum, 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 bum. She'd pluck it out on the piano again, again, again. She was like a drill sharp sergeant. I didn't, and, then, and then because we love music so much, we'd take our little hairbrushes. My sister and I, we'd take, we'd take our baby doll high chair and we'd set it up. And then on the bed, we'd put all of our, we had lots of stuffed animals. We'd line the bed up with stuffed animals. And this was the pulpit. Our hairbrushes were our microphones. We took our cassette player. That's how old I am. And we put a little tape in there, right? How many of you know what a cassette player is? You know, anybody know what a tape is? Okay, all right, I'm not so old. So we put our tape in, and we'd hit play at the beginning of side A, and we would sing all the way through until we got to side A, take it out, flip it over, and we'd sing every song on side B. We'd sing the whole album right there. It had church in our bedroom. This was the pulpit, and we'd sing. And I'd always fight with my sister because she always got to be the soulful girl, and get the, all the ad-lib parts, and I wanted them, and she was older than me, so she always got them, and she never let me be the soulful girl, and I was so angry with her. I wanted to do those ad-libs, and she wouldn't let me. But we sang, and we sang, and we sang. We knew every word. I did, we sang hours all the time. I didn't get to this place, and God obviously gave me a talent, but it didn't grow until I practiced it. You don't become great at wrestling without a lot of practice. You don't become great at a sport without a lot of practice. Look at James 1. 22 through 25, why do we think it's any different with learning to walk in faith? Hmm? But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Faith is acting like God's word is true. Faith is acting out God's word. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law, that's the word of God, and that sets you free and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, like John the Baptist did, 
then God will bless you for doing it. If you, if you will look carefully into the perfect law of God, you won't forget what you heard. You won't forget what you saw when the prison walls are so high. You won't forget God. When the storm is raging and the waves are so high, you won't forget God's character. When it's so hard and it's so difficult, you won't forget what you saw and you won't forget what you heard.